Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that Browns game. Obviously, very disappointing loss. Uh, been through a little bit of a catharsis these last couple days, looking at all the tape multiple times. But uh, here to join me to talk about it, I'm sure is going to be a good conversation because it's Pete Gilbert of WBAL. Pete, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ken. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always great talking football to you, whether it's at camp or, uh, or on this show. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, another big loss. Another blown lead. Uh People seem to really want to harp on the big blown leads. And obviously, you know, they're not pleasant and they're fairly recent in terms of a phenomenon. What do you have to say about it? The, it's, it's obviously a very easy thing to focus, to want to focus on. How can you not? I mean, you get up two touchdowns at home with 11 minutes to go. You, you know, how can you not win the game? Um, uh, that was what my dad was asking me last night. We're, we were going through a little bit as well. In the big picture, you know, one of the things that it struck me about this is that how often they build big leads. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of teams do that. Um, sometimes I get when you build as many big leads as the Ravens do, you're more likely then yeah. to blow some of them. <laughs> the, the the math involved with that tells you that. Um, yeah, in going through their games this year, you know, I mean, they're seven and three, and the three losses, you know, they, they've led all of them, and you know, they've only trailed for what, 28 and a half minutes so far this year. Um, I, I, it's it's easy to get hung up and really think, you know, that that there's a giant problem. Um, I don't, I don't think there. All three games have come have been different reasons why they've blown leads, um, but there's other games where they held it, they held on to those leads just fine. So I don't know if there's a real necessarily like we need to look in the mirror and figure out why we can't close out a game. Well, they closed out a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. They just didn't, you know, they, they, they haven't closed out all. You could reasonably look at this and say, yeah, you should very well, maybe not should, but certainly could be 10 and 0. And at which point you're talking about, you're having the greatest season in Ravens history and da, 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 and you're, you're a couple plays away from that happening. So I don't, I'm not hung up on it. Um, I think that, you know, the Miami game from last year, the Buffalo game, this one they, they stick out and they're going to because it just you know you, you don't expect that at home because they've been so good at home but the nature of the game the the the, the ability for teams and the setup to to come back i think it's kind of that's they bake it in now they want that and that's you know to hold to hold on and keep that two touchdown lead the entire game is is a really challenging thing yeah, by the way, what you just said, I think, is completely true. First of all, great point about building more leads and then being more vulnerable to blown leads. You can't you can't blow a big lead if you never have one. Um, but but also the other point you made about the balance of strategies really favoring the trailing team 
So there are a whole bunch of, of things in football that, that favor the trailing team. And that's why the, 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 the leading team needs to usually give up something. It's usually expected points to improve their win probability. So you make a lot of decisions. Running is the classic one or kneeling is the most extreme one where you, you're certainly giving up expected points to gain an expe- expected win probability. But it's, it's really something that, um, you know, the strategy is just because, hey, passing is, a, is, is pretty advantageous in today's game. Um, uh, it, it's a, you know, trying to come back is definitely not as hard as it was in our father's uh, day of watching the NFL. And you play a lot more zone defense, softer. Yep. We'll give up yards, don't want to give up the big mm-hmm. play. And then, you know, and the other team is going to take more chances because they have to. And if you cash in on those chances, well, then you're right back in it. And that's, yeah. you know, a, a little bit of what happened. But I will say this one felt a little different than the other losses and really than any other game this year in terms of the physicality. The Browns were the more physical team in this one. And that is, we haven't seen that um, to this point. And it reared its head, certainly in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, I know we're going to go through the offensive line a little bit later in this net, but that's where it was like, oh, wow. They, they, they looked unable physically at times to hold up with what Cleveland was doing. And, uh, and defensively, they were on the field more than they've been on all year. You know, what, 75 plays or so? Yep. They got tired and it showed. And so that those the, the combination of those two things and credit Cleveland for they they balled out they you know they they made the mistakes but didn't hang their head and kept coming. Yeah, they really they were more physical on both sides of the ball, which I think is important. And one of the things is when when Daniel Falele replaces Stanley in the fourth quarter, um, you have a much less physical player, and it's crazy to say that because Falele is huge, but he doesn't punch, he doesn't strike his opponent, he doesn't try and use his size well. So he's it's really more of a patty cake lineman trying to try to be a positional lineman. Uh, I I hope they can get that guy to get more physical as time moves on. I'll just say because he, he could be a force. But uh, but then on the other side of the ball, and we're not talking about defense today. You have Williams who's basically playing with one arm, unable to tackle, and the Browns know it, and the Browns are taking advantage of it with a heavy run game and Joko in the screen game, and you know they're they're trying to get to Williams whenever they can. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I it's admirable the way he is out there. I mean, he could have had season-ending surgery and is, is just trying to fight through this. There's a guy before he came to Baltimore was never hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since, since he's gotten here, it's, it's been almost nothing but injuries. And I know it was really frustrating to him. He's got a nice contract, and he really badly wants to live up to that. And it's it's been really physically challenging. Um, Love Marcus yeah. Williams, you know, great player, an unbelievable per snap productivity in his first year. Um, I, I am one of the people saying basically they need to take him off the field for Worley. And I think there is an intermediate step there that you could take him off for Worley on obvious running downs and still leave him in there if you want him to blanket the back end on passing downs yeah. and try to get on the play. But I just don't see how you, how you leave him in there on early downs anymore. Yeah, and that's where and it's interesting because you know you had this. He comes back. You had Geno Stone leading the NFL in picks, and Hamilton. It's you know they was watching how were they going to rotate that, and they they just about split. Um, I think split plays uh, reps out there, uh, Stone and and, and Williams. Um, you may you, you know lean certainly more on, on twenty six, and then if you're going to put you know like I said Worley. You know, he's, he's proven to be a pretty, pretty capable safety as yeah. well. 
Well, Williams actually played all but one snap. They had one goal line snap where he wasn't in, but Stone was effectively splitting time when, uh, under two circumstances. So if the Ravens played played base, Stone was just out. And it was Hamilton and and uh, and Williams on the back end. When they were in nickel, Hamilton was sometimes at, you know, up at big nickel, but they also used Mallette some, and then they moved Hamilton back. So Stone lost a lot of playing time in this game. And uh, and and Worley didn't play at all, of course, on defense. And I just I'm you know you, you finally have four safeties healthy. They've run it so many times this year where they wanted to have three safeties healthy so you could get Hamilton up front as the slot corner, and they haven't been able to do it because they they didn't have a third safety to go to. And you know it's just you finally have the opportunity now with four safeties, and you got backup, and then Williams is you're still keeping on the field. So I I really love Marcus Williams. I you know I think. You know, the point was made online today that the Ravens coaches are smart and they're going through the calculus of which is worth more. Williams blanketing the back end, always being in the right position, making plays on the football, taking away, you know, passing space in some way versus how much is he costing them versus the run. And, I, you know, we're entitled as fans to have a different opinion than the coaches is all, all I'll say. I, I think it was probably one of McDonald's most costly moves of the entire season, what happened in this game. There are two things, actually. Huge McDonald fan. I think he'll be a coach next year, a uh, head coach next year. But uh, he, those two things, I would have said I I wouldn't have continued with. I would have taken Williams off the field as soon as they saw what the, the Browns were taking advantage of it. And I also would have stopped coming after Watson with all of the stunts and the pressure because none of that worked. So Watson decoded all of that. And it's it uh, it was something that uh, you know I, I I wish McDonald had had changed in this game. Yeah, sorry, missed look missed looked at the uh, snap the play list incorrectly there, but yeah, and Gino, you know, you think about a guy who is just the confidence growing every week, and then to take a step back uh, was certainly a challenge. But you know, it's interesting on the play the late in the game, it's second and nineteen after Adafi Owe gets a sack. And then they get 17 yards to Cooper, and it and it was right in front of Gino. Um, I think Rock Yassim was carrying him, yeah. And then Gino was on the side there, and a little late getting. Could he have read that and, and seen that a little bit quicker? Maybe, maybe so. There, that was a. But that was you know the one of the things that you talk about the plays that, that just you can define a game. It felt like so often when the Ravens either had a big play or got a penalty, and you know, it was a first and fifteen. The Browns got, you know, they had a third and 11. They get behind the sticks at some critical moments. They found a way to come through. And that was, uh, you know, getting those 17 yards back right after that sack was, that was demoralizing. It, it was a painful play, especially since they recover that fumble. It's probably ball game over right there. Ball game. So, yeah. Uh, down to four of seven at home the rest of the way. Now they had, you know, six of nine they were looking at. Now they split these two games, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it happens when you play some good teams. And it was Seattle and Cleveland. They're not patsies. The Bengals are not a patsy either. And they have their biggest scheduling advantage of the year coming up next week. In fact, when I analyze the schedule at the beginning of the year, if you have a division home Thursday game, and especially when it's against your biggest rival in the division right now, which I think is was the Bengals coming into this year, um, you really look at that as a huge advantage. And as as much as it sucks to play on Thursday night period, and people say, oh, quick week, oh, we're all suffering from this. Well, no, the Bengals are suffering a lot more playing on the road for a game like this because they have to travel. Yeah, the road Thursday game is the greatest disadvantage in football. There's a, mm-hmm. inarguably, you just, you lose you lose the time to, to prepare, to, to go ahead and, and make that trip. 
and you're just you're just you're beat up as it is. The one advantage though that Cincinnati has in terms that that mitigates it a little bit is that they've had their buy, and that the Ravens haven't. So at this point, you know you're you're going into your eleventh game, and without you know without a break in there, and it's that short week, and after coming off a just physical physical division game, the Ravens have a. It's you know compared to what maybe you would hope, you know back in August this advantage might be. I don't think it's quite as big as it could have been uh, at this point, given just where they are physically and watching watching them kind of fold's not the right word, but they 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 weren't they weren't certainly as strong late in this one as they had been uh, in some prior games. Although you know the Bengals kind of had a tough physical game too, and and you know it also looks like it's a good thing that the Ravens got the Texans when they got them. Yep. It sure does. I mean, I I don't want I don't want any part of Stroud in the playoffs again after the way he's played so far this year. I just, I, you know, I, somebody's going to get him probably at this point, but uh, he looks really good. Fearless, fearless. Uh, you know, we you talked about this last time, and I think you know you, you, the NFL. You made a, a flip comment about it. the NFL said everything will be fine, but how are they? How would they ever flex a Thursday night game? I know they reserved the right to do it. I sure as heck hope they don't try something like that this year or ever. But how, how would you possibly do that? Tell the team 12 days in advance, okay, you're going to be playing a Thursday game. And, oh, yeah, you, Johnny, or you, you know, the Saints or whatever, you're going to play a road Thursday game. I thought for a Thursday game that it was a month they needed to. Oh, um, okay. I think it's a month okay. that you get. It's still, you know, brutal. You know, if it meant you were going to, you know, you're, you could have, this was going to now be your Thursday game instead of that one, okay. But if it's a second one, I, that's just that's just so unfair to both teams. Obviously, to the road team a little more so, but to either team to have a second Thursday game is just preposterous. And yeah, it's it's know, already it's just, unfair that Dallas gets what two per year typically or often because they have a they have a guaranteed home Thanksgiving game, and that Detroit does too. That 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 those legacy stuff needs to go the hell away. And I know Dallas makes the league a lot of money, and so they're probably willing to let that continue. Why does Detroit get it? What, what the? I mean, what some tradition, <laughs> right? Right. Some traditions just live on, and for no damn reason. Yeah. And that is Exhibit A. Yeah. Um, I think early back then, initially, nobody wanted to be wanted that showcase at all. You know, it wasn't really a showcase, and they tried to make it one. And Detroit's like, fine, we'll do it. And <laughs> now that now that you know, they, they don't they don't want to give it up. Um, yeah, they, and who would? But yeah, uh, more Mitchell Mania this week. So let's finally talk some offense here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things we've heard since the game is a complaint about his lack of touches and the and the, the, his playing time in this game. Oh no, no doubt that was you know one touch in the second half is uh, was obviously frustrating to fans. I think to probably John Harbaugh to some degree too. Now there was an opportunity on 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 a read option where Lamar kept it, and I think if he had given it to Keaton. Yes. You know, there, there was, there was. I mean, you, Zadarius was there, but there was enough room that I don't think he makes a tackle. And then there was nobody, and we, and we, you would have seen the same kind of run that we've seen when he gets a little space. It's going to be thirty plus yards. Yeah. So that was one where you know, I don't know that that's a Todd Munkin or it's not a coaching issue. That was a Lamar kept it yeah. uh, issue at that point. But sure, you could have some more more designs for him. The pass protection is is a legitimate concern at this point. You go back into the first half, the one negative play he had at the seven-yard loss 
um, which was poorly blocked by Isaiah Likely uh, to start. You know, the next play, Lamar gets sacked, mm -hmm. and Mitchell is back in pass pro, and he starts out to the right, sees there's nobody there, Crosses comes back the over to the left, yep. and gets in the way of Lamar, who's trying to step up, and they and that slowed down his you know his avenue for escape there, and you know it didn't really look like it was maybe anything terrible on Mitchell's part, but he got you know. He was in the way and, and cost a sack. Okay. So a, a lot of people have questioned, you know, basically, how do you grade out that sack on that play? And I'll, t I'll tell you right now, it is, you, it's, it's part of the thing is you, why you need fractional sacks when you're allocating them. PFF only gives them out in ones. So they get a zero or one. Now they'll, they'll give Mitchell a downgrade on a play like that, but they won't give him a third of a sack caused and they, they won't give a, 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 a you know, a, a third of a sack, frankly, to anyone. But on that play, Stanley was getting uh, pushed way back. Mitchell's got to be aware of that process and not cross the street, so to speak, uh, you know, being a six-year-old, um, to, to make that play unless he's sure he can get across in one shot. So he it was it was a very bad judgment. It was too close to Lamar in terms of how close he had to go back to help Stanley to, to start with also. But when you cross the cone, you better be sure you get across or you got a, you got a real problem. And then, of course, there was also a – uh, who got the other third of that sack? I want to say it was a blitz pickup by Zeitler that that fell down, but I may be wrong. It may be it may be um, something else. No, that's not. The I thought play. it was on the left. I think it was on the left side there. Um, no, it was maybe, Linderbaum. Okay, Linderbaum got got they he so, got well, yeah yeah he, he we'll got completely steamrolled. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I agree completely on the Mitchell thing. Mitchell also probably didn't help himself by dropping the ball in the end zone. I mean, that is technically a touch in terms of, you know, getting a target right. is, is if the target is on target, it's a touch. If the target's not on target, it's not, but uh, he needs to catch that ball and kind of sad too, because that's exactly the corner of his end zone where his dad was sitting. And I, I think his girlfriend is the other, the woman next to him, I think, but. Uh, uh, and, and I, and I talked to Keaton about that, play in the afterwards in the locker room and I, I said was it deflected was he in your way he said i just dropped it he's like man i gotta make that catch it came right into me i just i just didn't i just didn't catch the ball you know that he which i much credit him for not saying you know you know creating a blame or you know casting some where maybe you could have it was end up being decent coverage and the ball maybe if it's a little farther down he doesn't have to spin back maybe he makes the catch um but certainly one that, yeah, he, when you watch it, you're like, I mean, the ball hit you. It wasn't touched, and it, and it hit you between the three and the four. You need to you need to make a play on that. But, you know. Did he talk I, at all about the face guarding component of it? Was he, was he, was he, did he? He said he was not bothered. He okay. Just, huh. He just, he's like, I just dropped it. I just, I just didn't make the catch. Now, maybe that was, I mean, it looked like he was, the defender was there. So you would think that maybe he got, was affected by that. But he wouldn't say that he was. Mm -hmm. Um to his credit on that. But, you know, when I was thinking too about what's so, what's so great right now about Keaton Mitchell is that until you've seen it in person, you don't understand how fast he is. It's new. It's like when, you know, there, that's, and it's, I think you go back to why NFC teams are what now 18 and one or Lamar's 18 and one against him. They don't see him. You don't know the ball handling. You don't understand the twitchiness until you're facing it the way they are. So, that's what's maybe frustrating. You had this opportunity where they have not seen Keaton Mitchell and he, you know, touches the ball twice and has monster plays, you know, in, in the first half. And it's like, you want to keep hitting that because it's not going to be new forever. 
And he's also a small guy. And I, I'm not wishing this name, but he's already he's dealt with injuries already, you know. And how long is this, is that is that star going to be bright? I don't I don't know. And you feel like you really want to be able to take advantage of it when it is. And that's maybe where I'm like, second half, you got to just design stuff for him while you have this big play capability that is new because Cleveland Lamar's ball handling does, you know, they, they, they read it. He's not fooling anyone, you know, with, with, with the read stuff, the way he will fool other players. They're just the whole Lamar effect. They understand what, what they're facing. So I think that's where I, the, the challenge that was, I thought, or what an opportunity lost. I think part of the reason Lamar is not effective is the divisional teams know him a lot better. And it, and they've all built their linebacking cores, in particular with Owasso Koromoa, for example. Uh, but but all of them really understand um, uh, understand Lamar better, and they know when they have to leave their spot to uh, w- at the beginning of the pocket breaking, as opposed to after the pocket breaks, for example, uh, to get pressure on him. And they're they're much more effective at holding back on on their uh, leverage giveaways that Lamar reads like no one who's ever played the game. Um, to, to to not get beat that way. And obviously when in, in 2019, 2018, huge deal. Um, right. he, he he was beating everybody with that. But uh, the divisional teams are the first to catch up in, in in that respect. No no doubt about it. And so that's where, you know, they, they've got to keep evolving themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, finding ways to, I mean, to create, you know, deceit and, you know, really build on that. And they're, it felt like they did, they weren't fooling them. Uh, for for a lot of the for a lot of the game, they just they weren't formed. They had some drives that ended up being good ones, but they were helped out by penalties. You know, they really they should have been shut down, but maybe kind of a dumb illegal contact or something there that allowed something to extend. This was the not the offensive uh, juggernaut that we we had certainly had seen. Even though they get to 31 points, although of course some of that you know thanks to Kyle Hamilton, but you know they. If you just look, oh, they scored 31 points again. Everything wasn't the defense, wasn't the offense's fault. Like, eh, there, there certainly were some issues that they, they contributed to the defeat. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I had a note on that that I was going to get to, but you've kind of covered it now. The one thing I'll say about Mitchell is I really loved how they they allowed the Browns pass rushers to beat themselves on the play, and particularly the draw play that went for 39. Um, effectively, um, Garrett and the lineman next to him, who I, I did not even catch his number, um, both ran themselves out of the play. And that late action obviously meant he had to beat the the um, the first inside linebacker who was there, who he beat with a, just really a jab step to the inside. And he was completely lost. And then the second, the second on the sideline, um, he took a terrible angle to, to the ball, you know, anticipating that, that he could catch Mitchell. And then, Oh, wait a minute. i made a big mistake here. Uh, and it's too late to do anything about it. It's, it's just, it was great spacing on that play. And obviously you look to get him spacing, but draws and screens are perfect for him. And uh, you know, they, they, they had the first, I mean, they had actually had a very well blocked screen on the play also, but Mitchell completely took advantage of it um, down the sidelines on the 32 yard pass as well. Yeah, and that's where I, the the where they were able to you know create deception was was with Mitchell and creating that again. That's where the newness and you know they didn't understand how fast he was, and so they you know he didn't think he took a bad angle. I remember if it was twenty two or twenty eight, but one of the, just, yeah. um took a bad angle because he's just that fast. And the design of the screen to fake the handoff left, start rolling right, then come back left. It, I mean they. 
they were, you know, absolutely left disjointed. And uh, the inside linebacker five um, met his fate Walker. on that play that I, I'm sure, you know, and we'll go over the offensive line yes. a little, but with John Simpson, I know he, uh, um, that must've been a fun moment in film studies to, to look at, to look at that one. John Simpson had his best game of the year and we'll talk about that a little later, but uh, that was a play he's going to want to show his grandchildren. In terms <laughs> of, and the only thing that didn't go right is he didn't finally get the block downfield. Cause if he does, if he gets his second block on that play, it's a touchdown. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, they lost the snap count 75 to 50. We talked a little bit about this. Very bad for the defense. The concentration of snaps in the second half. They actually had less snaps in the second half. I think it was only 32, but they had them in streaks. So your defense only on the field for three drives for all those plays. They get very tired on those individual drives without getting you know some significant break from it. That's not all your defenders, but even, even the, the defensive backs and whatnot are getting tired on a 17-play drive, believe me. And you can't rotate your pass rushers enough to get them back winded and properly done on a, on a drive like that. That really, I think had a lot to do with the comeback. A 17 play touchdown drive is yeah. just, it's demoralizing. It's, it's so frustrating. And the, the way they were able to convert third downs on that, on that drive, were just, I mean, they converted third downs throughout the game. What eight for 16, I think yeah. overall compared to you know two for eight for the Ravens. And that just, you know, that was a, that was a huge part of it. And that was, I, I, you know, I felt like they allowed too much of the, the yards underneath the, you know, and, and Joku getting some of those on, you know, in particular the third and 11, they, they just dropped, you know, broke on and PQ dropped too far and not accounting for in Joku and, uh, you know, to come out on that, you know, after, you know, a little block and then slip out and they just you can't give a guy that guy we've seen, he's too good. You can't give him that kind of space. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't third and 20, it was third and 11. And uh, so that, that was, that was tough. So yeah, they, I mean, the defense on the field and the, and the offense, you know, they had, they, they wanted to run the ball to, to try and run it, you know, and they go first down two yards, first down two yards, you know, a couple of times, you know, with, with Gus there and that put them back behind one, they did convert one of those on the, the their, I guess their last drive. They did hit um, when Zay Flowers got it, got a conversion yep. on a, you know, got 11 yards or so, but they, um, they, they were getting beat up front at that point, And Lamar looked a little indecisive and, you know, there were, there were some opportunities that he missed for sure. And, um, there were, I think I figured there was one Keaton Mitchell had a, you know, ran an in cut, you know, and if he gets in the ball, he's, there's no one there, you know, he, he's gone. And, and Zay was getting open really well off the ball throughout the day and he you know just had the one catch in the second half i think so that was you know another there's a you're again your your newness your 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 speedy guys got to take advantage of that of what they what they have with them there yeah by the way zay's usage in this game i just absolutely love here back to the intermediate passing game not a whole lot of gadgetry involved i think he probably had his best game as a raven in this one and he didn't I, he didn't get in the end zone but he did um, catch a bunch of balls between 10 and 20 yards. And I believe every single one of his targets was at least 10 yards down the field in this game. Might've been all but one and that was eight yards or something, but they didn't, they didn't throw to him behind the line of scrimmage. And this is what I've been calling for, for a long time now is they need somebody else to run gadget so that Zay Flowers can, can take attention from other defenders down the field. And they, they've done, they did a very good job of it in this game in particular. 
Oh, no doubt. And I, you know, I think early on there was a, you know, about an 18 yard out that just, I mean, the separation he creates on it was, mm-hmm. was beautiful. And Lamar stepped up and made a great throw and bang, you're like, that's how that's showing you. He's not just a jitterbug. He's mm-hmm. not just, you know, a, you know, a nine guy, he can run a really nice um, defined route there. And that's, that's just such a, the kind of the passing game they, that they thought that, you know, that they said Lamar couldn't do. You know, they, they hit that kind of throw, and, and he puts it just dead on the money, and you have him making that kind of, you know, that kind of play and contribution. We know he can make more of those, and I want to see, you know, e- even more of that from him. But that was very nice to see with five catches for 70 or so. You know, you want to – let's get that up to eight, eight for 100 and a touchdown, and then you're getting to where I think he can be, uh, you know, fairly regularly. Yeah, uh, it's and and this team they don't need to play fantasy football, you know, in terms of getting getting people a hundred yards. It's not it's not the DNA of this team. They run half the time as it is, uh, and, and they're very effective doing that. So they, they you know, it, it's happy, I'm happy them being just a balanced offense. But Flowers getting more targets in in between level two and level three and past level three is is really a big deal. His only his only miss in this game was the long ball. It was a, a, a vertical that uh, that Jackson overthrew him, and he had a step on the defender on that one as well. That's been one of the more puzzling aspects of this offense all year because Lamar, I think, you know, in, in terms of passing the ball, has showcased so much more than we'd ever seen from him. But he's regressed in the ability to hit the deep shot. Mm-hmm. We've, he, he's hit it, you know, throughout his young years. I go back to 2019, week one. That deep ball to Hollywood was one of the most beautiful balls you could ever see. And this year he is consistently overthrowing, not putting enough air under it. I think Rod Woodson's going to you know, have an aneurysm, you know, watching it, <laughs> listening to him on the broadcast, just going crazy. Like, let the receiver go make a play. You're, you're, why are you, why are you overthrowing it so badly? And I, it's the, you know, Lamar talked about that on Tuesday and, you know, and saying that he, you know, understands that it's a it's an issue that they have to fix and not giving any reasons as to why he's been overthrowing everyone so badly i don't know that there is what what's don't what, what's the how do you fix that don't do it right i mean just you know give, give the guy a chance you know that and they do connect he said you know they do connect them in practice i've seen it it's it's true so uh, it's it's just one of the more confounding aspects of this season you know the there there were two things offensively coming into this game i said you know, talking with Keith uh, Mills on Ravens wrap up, we're like, well, there are two things that really drive, drive you crazy: the missing the deep shots and the fumbles. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, other than those, the, the the offense has been really, really, really good. Yeah. Now we can add the interceptions, unfortunately, but uh, but yeah, that, I would agree. The turnovers have been bad. Uh, Ravens went one for two in the red zone in this game. They had t- part of that was a function of the two long TDs: one to Mitchell, one to Beckham. Um, they're now 27 of 42 on the season, 64%. Now they started off at 80%. They were 12 of their first 15. I think they, they improved that to 13 out of 16 with their first drive. And then they, they ended up going one for six in London, uh, which, which brought them back down to earth. But anyway, where they were was not sustainable. 64% is fourth in the league right now. And if you compare that to the NFL median, which is 53.7%, it's excellent. If you compare it to the Ravens of 2022, we were at 44.4%. It's even better. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not upset with with what's happening in the in the red zone here, but they haven't been as efficient as they uh, as they were earlier in the year. Yeah, but they still. You know, I mean, again, two opportunities. You, you hit on one of them. The uh, the ability to run the ball 
into the end zone when you get to the five, get to the four, the three, has really what has been different this year. Um, they know with and credit the line and Gus and Pat Ricard largely for what the uh, the way they've been able to do that. I mean, Gus what has what six touchdowns in the last three games or so. Um, just by you know, and they're all those short. They know they know if I get the ball, this is what it's going to be, and still finding a way uh, to, to power his way in, and that's his greatest. That's his greatest asset to this team, and because it, it really then does make it if you do want to throw the ball that much easier because it's so little space from the five yard line or the three yard line uh, to make a pass play, and so that was that that is why they have overall you know are in that top five. I think just the, the ability to do to run the ball and then that which then allows them some room when they do pass. It's it's very demoralizing to be able to run the ball down the other team's throat when they know it's coming. And this this was part of the things with the with the Ravens. The Ravens played a jumbo, a super jumbo package on defense. Sorry. So the Browns had the ball at the three yard line. It was third and two. Big play coming up. And the Ravens put in every heavy they had. They put in um, uh, f- all five defensive linemen. They had five other linebackers on the field, and only one defensive back, Kyle Hamilton, on the field. It's the first time they've they've tried anything like that. Well, I can't even remember another time they they've tried something like that. And I've got that going back to the beginning of the Ravens' history. But the the, the Browns managed to run Kareem Hump, Kareem Kareem Hunt off tackle for a three yard touchdown, even though, and that was a real backbreaker. I thought for the Ravens in this game. Oh, no doubt. And the way, you know, they negated some of that because they... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. use speed right they, they quickly they popped it out to him and he got outside before the edge could, could even get set van noy on that side kind of took a little bit of a bad angle in and then i mean their lineman just got out there fasting and, and kareem kept pounding his legs and you know i think it was pq who got over there and just didn't have the leverage at that point and um hunts that's where he's that's where he's at his best he's used to be a, you know being a, i think a really fast kind of runner he's he's evolved physically look at his legs they are tree chunks he is he'll get low he's it's low to begin with he gets even lower and uses that leverage really well but yeah that they negated that all that size by getting outside quickly uh to, for that touchdown which was a really nice counter to what to something the ravens again as you said have maybe never done before and so that's, right. it makes it even that much more impressive yeah uh, point of attack offense, and the Ravens could do that with Patrick Ricard too. When when you have a point of attack offense, it, it, it sometimes it doesn't matter how big the other team is. If if you get your extra man there, the fastest, you're in really good shape to to punch a hole. Uh, you you mentioned this a, a little bit earlier, but I think it was one of the really huge points of the game is the is the penalties in this. They the Ravens had five conversions in this game by penalty. Now they had an encroachment which converted second and two. That's fine. That That's going to happen in a game. You're occasionally going to get lucky and get that. But they had four fouls on the defensive backfield that were all on third or fourth down to convert. You know, it it it, it really 
casts a pall over the offense performance in general. I mean, they were two for eight on third down. The two for eight does not include the the uh, conversions by penalty, but all those were failures that didn't get included in the denominator either. And if they if they had you know had these if they if they hadn't had these fouls away from the ball in most of these cases that uh, helped them convert, they, they you know they could have been two of twelve in theory. They, they probably wouldn't have worked out in terms of the total number of drives, but they but they would have been worse on third down. Let me put it that way. Uh, no doubt about it. And they it felt like so whatever they were choosing to do, the, the the Browns were prepared. They were ready for it. And there were also they had a lot of third and longs. It was um, wasn't a whole lot of third and ones they were missing on. Yeah. But, you know, it was that and that obviously that that changes the math. You know, your percentages, you know, what what's the league meeting? What's the median on third and seven? You know, I mean, so you're it's going to be a lot lower than your your overall third down conversion rate. So they were they were backed up a little bit farther, uh, which went which spoke maybe more to what they were doing on first down. They were they were not as effect efficient, and allowed themselves to get further behind. You know, the schedule there to have third and, and longer. But they again something we hadn't seen a whole lot this year. They because they've been a really good third down team, and you know, but a lot of those were a lot shorter third downs, and that yes. that makes that makes life a lot easier. It makes play calling a lot easier. And uh, but it was it, it definitely felt as though whatever pressure the Browns were applying was effective, whatever you know the scheme that they would go to, on, which was you know they, they did a plenty they did a lot of zone that I don't think that they saw, that the Ravens solved all that well, and uh, so they, they certainly something I don't I wonder how much time they'll probably during this hat mini buy probably go back and look at both of these games a lot more closely than they've had have had the opportunity when it comes to a little self scouting there and figure out why was Cleveland so successful uh, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they it, I, they do take some time to do that both on the, on the bye week and a mini buy is a great time as well. Let's move on and talk about Lamar a little bit. Um, could go through some pass rush stuff here and what they tried to do too. And the Browns rushed five plus on seven occasions. That's twenty seven percent of the dropbacks because they only dropped back. Uh, what, 26 times in this game. Lamar was three for six among those seven for 53 net yards, 7.6 yards per play. So it's not like they had tremendous success getting after him with numbers in this game. He was fine. One sack was included in there. They used a four-man rush 19 times. That's 73% of the time. He's 10 of 17 for 147. Uh, after sacks, uh, that's, that number is not correct that I have on the screen here. And I don't have a correct number for you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that one. Other than to say that that number is, is not correct, and I can see it. They didn't rush three in this game, uh, but anyway, uh, the Browns mixed it up a little bit in terms of pass rushers. One place where this really showed up was in just how much the Ravens committed in terms of eligible receivers to block in this game. It's the highest number I can remember in a long time. But they used. 15 set blockers and 14 chip blockers on just 26 pass plays. That's 29 total, 1.12 per play. Um, I can't remember it being that high, but you only get five eligible receivers. And if you're taking 1.12 out of those out per play, you're down to 3.88 eligible receivers. And that's uh, that's not nearly the kind of receiving options you might like to have. I remember watching at one point it was that there was it was a two man route. Yes. And I'm thinking that's we haven't seen that for some time. Yep. Um, so there were, they were definitely, now obviously when Stanley goes down, you're, and you've got Fa Lele over there, and you're also missing Morgan Moses. You're, and, you know, I mean, you could see that Pat McCary needed help. He was, he yep. was, he was struggling out there. And, 
you know, and then when, when Stanley was down five lately, like what you just, you, you've got to give help. And that's, if, obviously it makes everything about the pass game that much harder when you have to do that. But if you don't, you're, you're going to be, you're going to, it will get a lot worse. So yep. I understand how it happened. Um, and that just speaks to the, the key to getting Morgan Moses back for Thursday, which it sounds like he is going to play. Um, and, but it's, you're, you're, I'm sure you're not going to have Ronnie Stanley. So you're going to have McCary starting again, uh, get him over on the left side this time. And they signed, they signed a guy, a veteran. Tra- so practice Josh squad. Wells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a lot of history, but at least he's played in some games. And they, that, which again speaks to the fact that you've got to believe Stanley's probably not ready to go. And they didn't have a tackle on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. They had none of the 16, which was just a, unusual. It, it um, is unusual. They, they had David Sharp early Sharp, in the yeah. year, and and he's been he's been passed around the league a little bit like a bad cold, but uh, he he uh, you know is making the rounds. He's a valued practice squad player for a lot of teams, and it just speaks to the to the lack of that body type that's out there in the general population. It's it's a size and shape position that is 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 very uh, uh, a small pool. No doubt about it, and so the, yeah, that's. And when you when you get three point eight then receivers, uh, it it really it, it is it is limiting, and that, and that's certainly a significant part of why, you know, they weren't as dynamic, and and um, I will you know I don't we didn't mention this but Odell Beckham you know just had the one, the one catch, but he did draw he drew another penalty. And, two, I think, right? Oh, did he have two catches? Yeah, two, he drew two of the five yard uh, defensive backfield penalties. And so, you know, drawing penalty, but the slants and then the explosion, the two big plays that he's made this year, other, I think week one, he would get kind of the ball over his shoulder, mm-hmm. but the other two have been on catch and runs on slants. And mm-hmm. he, you can see that that's where he is so comfortable and where he's so valuable. The, his ability to snatch the ball in traffic is as good as anyone. I mean, his hands are tight, just massive, and they're so strong. And to be able to grab that and then and there have your burst – where he doesn't have to necessarily change direction off it. He's made the one the one move, and then it's just kind of a straight line, which right now is what you want for him. And that's where that to see that that burst off of that cut, and not have to do a, a bunch of moves to try and get where I don't I don't know how good he can do that anymore. But that's utilizing him at his best, and I you, that's where you would think on more. And that was a third down, the touchdown, one of the one of their conversions that they had. Right, that was a third down, I think. And I'm, I'm um, gonna look for it. I, I was, I, I don't know, but you might be I right. Believe, I believe that it was, and that really, that's where the, I would like to see him utilized, uh, for for sure. Uh, rather than any kind of down, I mean, you can't only run those routes, but downfield occasionally. But that's where that's where he's at his best. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. He's not a vertical threat anymore, and and he's not really a good wide receiver screen threat. He's he could potentially be a good blocker on that, but that that slant it looked a lot like the 2016 slant. I know that's been commented on significantly, but um, the Ravens lost a game at at the Meadowlands in 2016, and Weddle actually tripped up Tavon Young. It was in his rookie year that year, covering trying to cover cover Beckham. And uh, and ended up going to the house for I think over sixty years might have been sixty six um, on that play but uh, it, it looked just like it and it looked like Beckham stepping back out of out of two thousand sixteen to make that play no doubt and that 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 was exciting so I mean there, again there was it wasn't like it was a ter- a terrible game there were there were plenty of good 
things to take away. They're, you know, they had explosive plays and against a real, by the way, that's a really good defense. Yes. That the Cleveland Browns were bringing to town. I mean, they, they, and they played better than they did in week four. And they, they, I thought they were even losing so many defensive backs to injury during the game. They stepped up and, and they the backup guys were well coached and ready to come in and make plays. And that was, uh, you know, you, you sometimes you remember the other guys are getting paid too. And it's, it's critical to remember that when you're trying to figure out what's going on, you know, and you just try and really objectively figure out and analyze something. I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not too upset about the offensive performance other than the turnovers, obviously I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset about, it. but if you look at the, if you look at this is the Browns and you know, you really got to expect a low scoring game and they, they scored now 28 and 31 against the Browns. And you can come up with all kinds of mitigating factors, short fields given by Dorian Thompson and by Prochet in this game. Uh, you know, but I still think that's pretty damn good that the Ravens have stuck the Browns with their, you know, their two biggest point totals of the year, I believe. They may have had somebody else that, that scored roughly the same amount, Seattle or something like that. I don't know. I don't think, no, I don't think so. I think that's, yeah, that's, those are definitely the, the highest numbers. And uh, that was a funny drive than what, seven plays to go the 12 yards after the Prochet fumble? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was, that was one, that was a weird touchdown drive. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, it had some bad plays by the Ravens, but also, fortunately, uh, one more bad play by the Browns that w- than, than for the Ravens on that drive. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, about uh, the opportunity set that Lamar had in terms of time and space. So we divide these out into three categories for folks who have not listened to the show too often, but ample time and space is basically a three-second pocket. He had that nine times, or 35% of his dropbacks, six of nine complete for 113 yards. 12.6 yards per play is excellent. Unfortunately, he also had an interception on the deep ball on the right side at the end of the first half. So uh, that takes away a lot of the value of those plays, but that's still an excellent result for that, uh, uh, that opportunity set. Seven times, the ball was out quickly, 27% of the time. He went six for seven on those plays for 106 yards, 15.1 yards per play. That's fantastic. Uh, and it was keyed by two plays, and it was the screen pass to Mitchell and the slant to Beckham. Ball was out quickly both times before pressure could develop. And most of that was yak. That's okay. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to occasionally get yak on your throws, particularly when they're well-placed. So one thing about the slant to Beckham was right on the money. I mean, you know, you, you, if that ball's high, it's behind him a little bit. It's, it's not a touchdown anymore. But, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it, the ball is right on the money. So Lamar gets some of the credit for, for the yak on that play. Oh, you have to. And that's when you go back to his development as a quarterback is his, his accuracy and not just completing it. You know, watch what completion percentage can be so misleading. Um, if you don't put the ball in the right spot for your, if you, you might still catch it, but didn't get the yards that were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, when, when a receiver runs a good route and you don't reward him putting it where he can catch it in stride, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're taking away, you're hurting yourself. And, and that this year, how, and we've seen so many balls that have been put really where they needed to be put also. And that can also be putting it where it keeps you from getting your head knocked off. Yep. He's, he's done really well at putting the ball, you know, a, away from defenders. And sometimes that, that then takes away from some yak and a guy ends up sliding down to make a catch, but that's fine. He's healthy and you got the first down. And I think his evolution in being able to do that and being able to do that so often now without having himself set to be able to go to a sidearm or flick or, or you know, to be able to still throw the ball with accuracy, I mean, he's, he is a just a phenomenal 
freakishly gifted athlete at times and it shows it but you know i think a lot of that goes to confidence and the belief that he's going to put the ball there and the understanding of where the ball needs to go too and that and that takes reps and it's one thing to know it in practice it's another to know it when someone's trying to take their head off and so to, to not to be able to feel that is just really it, we've seen that and it's it's really been nice to see it's a big improvement, and and obviously this is not the greatest time to be talking about this after he throws two interceptions, but he's been remarkable this year about keeping the ball in a safe location. I think that's been a, a point of emphasis, and he's been throwing the ball away from defenders. Some of that actually actually can get you into trouble because you look too much at the at the defensive back's catch radius. You try and outthrow the defensive back, and on a long ball, you may not give your 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 receiver the same chance to go up and get a football or or draw a pass interference penalty. But he's done a great job of keeping the ball away from the defender this year. Keep it low when it needs to be low. And also, as you mentioned, at the line of scrimmage, avoid the defender that's in his face by going to a different arm angle. He's been very effective at that. Players like Brent Urban talk about having their arm up all the time. And you basically, what he says, you know, he's done this on this show, is you, you, you can't get the ball over me. My, I, I'm, I'm too big for that. But, you know, I don't know how many times in my career the ball has gone between my head and my arm. It's a lot. And that's the precision. But, you know, let's talk about the two picks. You know, the, the, the first one was comically underthrown. And we're in talking to the press box saying, surely that must have been miscommunication. It's going to be a back shoulder that Bateman, they, miss, you know, they didn't see the same thing from the defender, and he kept, keeps running deep. Lamar said afterwards he just underthrew it. Now, if you go back, the play before that, he had gotten absolutely blasted on the sidelines, which I, yes. a lot of Ravens fans are upset about. You know that should have been a penalty. I disagree. I think that it was a clean hit. I think that the the second it couldn't have been more than five hundredths of a second after his foot hit out of bounds that he was hit. That's football. That that and he thing is he could have avoided that hit. And and much to his credit, throughout so much of his career, he has avoided those hits. He didn't that time, and I don't understand why because he could have stepped out a yard earlier and it'd been a seven yard gain instead of eight. And it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that hit really affected his ability to throw the ball. I just, I mean, was he a little woozy? Was he just not physically all there for the next play? It could, that could have been, I'll give you another alternative explanation here is Lamar fell on the sword for Bateman on the play is that he Bateman was really supposed to come back for the ball. Lamar says, I just missed through that ball. It's just the easier thing to say. You don't throw your teammate under the bus. Lamar's being a great teammate when he does that. Bateman's earned some trust points from him in recent weeks, coming back for the football, taking, you know, clearing some interceptions out for him, one, one in particular, obviously. Um, I, I think it could be that as well. And I do remember once Weddle falling on the sword for a missed coverage by Webb under similar circumstances. I was up in the air. I'm like, you know, that's Webb's responsibility. You've got to change sides of the field with the receiver as the slot cornerback, you know, and it's, it's just, it was ridiculous, frankly, that he was, that he was saying, Oh, that's my fault. I got to be in that spot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, it, it was just, it obviously wasn't true, but um, I, I, I think I'll go, I'll go about 60-40 that Lamar just fell on the sword there. I don't think it's 100%, but I think I think it's likely that Lamar just uh, made a mistake. The other With the other 40 being, yeah, that hit really messed him up on the previous play. Yeah, I, it certainly is possible. I, I, just, I don't recall him necessarily doing that in the past. Kind falling of, on the sword? Know, blatantly falling yeah. on it. You know, I mean, he's pretty frank. He, I don't I think he just generally, you know, is, he's not never throwing anyone to the bus, but isn't 
kind of jumping out of the way to say, you know, for something that was so egregiously, yeah, you know, I mean, that was, I mean, they, if it was supposed to be deep, it was 15 to 20 yards under thrown, which is pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, it, it was one of those two things. It wasn't, you know, it, it certainly wasn't just, I, it wasn't just that I, I was healthy and I just underthrew it by 20 yards. Yeah. That, 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 that wasn't the case, but you know, the, and then the other pick, um, I mean, again, how many times do you see a ball get batted in the air and it falls harmlessly to the ground and you don't think about it. You forget about the play and you move on. And you don't, when it becomes like the, the 2019 season and the playoffs and the opening drive, the ball off of yeah, Mark Andrews. Andrews hands that is picked off. And, and sent the whole thing spiraling, you know, badly out of control. That's today. This one, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a tip ball or a batted ball that long in the air. I mean, it was almost impossible not to be then picked away. Just the bad luck of, you know, he, and he did. He tried to change his arm angle on the guy, on, you know, the, the, the rusher who was in his face immediately. And, you know, it, that it's, was. It's not on Lamar. I mean, that, that interception is all on McCary. Uh, McCary is is on his knees as the ball is thrown because he was beaten so badly on the play. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, there's there's very little there's very little Lamar can do under those circumstances. He can eat the sack, but uh, but he but there's very little he can do honestly with the with the player in his face like that. Uh, let me let me go through a little quicker here, and, and like we got to catch up here because we're, we're having a great time, and that always leads to a longer conversation. Um, I did want to get to the fact that the, that Lamar was pressured ten times in this game. That's thirty eight percent of the time. He completed one of seven for minus 19 net yards. Now, pressures include sacks, so you know there's a, it, it often is a bad number. But about 4.0 is is good, I'd say, for, for being pressured. In fact, 4.0 is, is, is good for sure. Maybe 3.0 is about average. Um, minus 1.9 yards per play is not average. And what's weird about it is he's been all over the place this season with pressure. Two weeks ago against Arizona, 22.4 Yards per pass play, 224 yards on 10 plays uh, uh, under pressure. And Watson is supposed to be the worst under pressure guy in the entire league, and the Ravens couldn't get anything done with pressure in this game against Watson either. You, you, we talked about newness, right? And that goes back mm-hmm. to speaking of Deshaun. They, even though they were told all week about how slippery he can be, how strong he is, and therefore challenging to tackle and bring down, they, they, it was like they didn't believe it. You know, they just, they, they did not expect him to do what he did in terms of extending plays, scrambling, and, and then making throws. And you know, in the second half when he's 14 out of 14. I mean, he, he was six of 20 in the first half, comically bad. Some of that was drops. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, he wasn't great. But in the second half, he, he absolutely was in extending yeah. plays, doing that. Whereas Lamar, again, it is wild because the, the, the variance. Uh, against pressure has been he he's either it feels like he's either hall of fame or or he shouldn't be a starter if you just yeah. went by like almost week to week by what he does against pressure it's he's, it's never just kind of that average uh, just you know you know about <laughs> five yards of play six yards of play or whatever and so it's this was one of those games where the the pressure was terribly effective and i i go back to i think just the offensive line was there were too many too many struggles that, we'll, they, we'll, that the, it's not all pressure is equal, you know, yeah. some pressure is greater than others. And this was some great pressure he faced. Yeah, I, I would agree. We'll get to some of that in the offensive line when we, uh, when we talk about this. 
Uh, it's interesting because the scrambling you mentioned for Watson and, and Lamar rushed eight for 41 in this game. And, you know, there, there's some good plays in there. He's clearly making yards. It weren't all scrambles. Some of that was designed running. But I, I, Harbaugh, one of the things he mentioned was getting upset about Watson leaving the pocket for that 16-yard gain, I think, at the end. He may have been generalizing, too, for the game. And Watson scrambled seven times. But several of those were effectively like sack plus two or sack plus three, as I call them, where they're small gains when you didn't want a small gain at all. So you don't want a small gain on third on second and 18 or on third or on, you know, second and nine. On one place, you didn't want to gain three yards. And then he had another that was third and six that he converted. And then he had the 16 yard runs. There are two that really beat the Ravens badly. But I, I want to plug here my article this week because I've got a new system for trying to score quarterback scrambles that takes into account some of the defensive win, offensive win nature of the play on those. And I, I've looked at force not to pass to c- combine scrambles and sacks before, but this this actually looks at both individually to try and uh, judge quarterback containment um, using a point scoring method that I think is is probably slightly better than, than average yards per play. Anyway, it's a little bit different way to look at it from a model perspective. Nice. Look forward to check that out. Looking forward to that. All right. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, I think that's enough for, for Lamar. Didn't have a lot of really extended plays in this game, by the way. He had 2.91 uh, time to throw on average in this game. Didn't really seem like it. There were a couple of times when he was, you know, chased right for a late throw, but there weren't a lot of, you know, there wasn't any 9.5 second Aguilar touchdown play in this game. No, and he did have some nice pockets. It wasn't like, you know, he was under pressure all, you know, he had some nice pockets and, and, Generally delivered nice throws then when 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 things were cleaned. You, except for you know, of course, you know that deep ball for Zay Flowers. It just remains confounding that he's been unable to hit. Let's talk about some of the scheme in this in this game. Uh, the running back snap division is always something I like to hit on. Edwards twenty eight of the snaps, Mitchell thirteen and Hill fourteen with one pony. I didn't even I didn't even notice the pony as it occurred, but I noticed they did have fifty five. Uh, total running back snaps on 54 plays. They had to pony up once, obviously, in there. Uh, you know, a lot of people saying Hill's playing way too much or Mitchell's playing way too little or whatever, but the fact that Mitchell was in there almost as much as Hill, Hill was in for 48 snaps last week against the Seahawks, is at least a movement in the right direction. It is. And again, the once I think now that you have the reps for Mitchell, they to the two part, the one that's showing for sure that he, he's got to be on the field as a playmaker. You've mm-hmm. got to give him opportunities to do that. And while he did, I think, contribute to a sack, you know, he hasn't looked lost generally out there in his roles as a, you know, otherwise uh, yeah. than, than when you're, you know, you're, you're getting the ball. So I think that he, that will continue just as Hill's time, I think is nearing its conclusion as far as having a meaningful role uh, in this offense going forward. So I think, and that's, you know, He's just not been. It's funny. He had a touchdown brought back for a hold yep. in this game. Um, he's 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 been surprisingly good actually running uh, in the red zone, uh, in in goal to go. He's been he's been a pretty good runner, but you still you Mitchell is just so much more dynamic and and you know, as we saw particularly you know the week before his ability to run inside you know and to make guys miss where there didn't seem to be a little space to make anyone miss is where it reminds you like, yeah, he, he's got to be your guy. Yeah, uh, 
I did want to say this about Hill. Hill had caught every ball thrown to him before the Seattle game when he finally had one that was, I think it was off target. I don't think he actually dropped it. But he's caught 15 of 16 balls this year. And he's almost caught every ball since his rookie year. He's, uh, he's amazing. He's 32 out of 33 since his rookie year and catching the ball. The problem is he's between four and, and five yards per reception every year. So it's, it's not been for any yardage. So uh, you know, one of the things they hoped to get with Justice Hill was a breakaway guy. I looked at him as one of the big winners from the Monk and higher that you'd get him on the field, you'd get him in space. But even though they've gotten him the ball 15 times, he hasn't really broken one yet. And they should be able to figure out how to how to you know get him some more you know big opportunities. Maybe with Flowers going down the field more, we'll see a few more shots, you know, a few more opportunities for Hill to make the gadget play uh, as we come along here. But the, the the trust is not really high right now, and some of that is the fumbling that's occurred. Um, and I, I I do kind of understand why you know it's, it's not the guy we want taking the shot to win the game kind of thing, uh, as as we've heard from. Um, uh, mocking at the at the podium early in the year. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, if you're going to put the ball in, he the the mesh issue was is is clearly he and Lamar, and mm-hmm. you know it's not Lamar and Gus, it's not Lamar and Keaton. I hadn't been Lamar and Kenyon. It was the only one guy that he was struggling with. So that's yeah. that's certainly problematic, and yeah. um, that's that's going to that's going to take the time off the field. And it is odd because in terms of not making the big plays. I mean, this guy was the fastest running back in the combine mm-hmm. that year, and yet here we, you know, we find ourselves in, in, in that situation. And uh, hi, Seamus. That's my dog saying hello. There you go. We met early. So, <laughs> I, I did want to talk about one other thing, which was the average point of first contact in this game, which was very interesting for the running backs. So with Edwards, the 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 Browns controlled the line of scrimmage, and I, you mentioned they were the most physical team. I would agree, and you know they were in some ways they were redefining the line of scrimmage and getting to Edwards quickly. His average, he had two point one eight yards after uh, yards after contact per play, and two point two yards per play. So he was at at point oh two was his average point of contact. Hill, yeah, minus one. Jackson 1.47 and you know Lamar is often running free in the open field that's still that's that's a pretty good touch point on in terms of his runs exclusively it doesn't include the sacks and then we go to Mitchell 8.67 yards is the average point of first touch obviously heavily weighted towards that 39 yard touchdown where he was not touched and yeah uh, the sa- the sample size is a little small yes. <laughs> um but it, it it doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's wrong necessarily either well, and, and it's it, it's not like it would be made slightly more wrong, but that, that's 39 yards of untouched yards. Let's say he had 15 carries. He would still be, you know, 2.6 or whatever that is, you know, yards per carry if without contact. So it would be it would still be a distinctly higher number. But uh, but anyway, it, it was what it was. Uh, anything else I want to talk about here? We talked about the sets and chips. I think we're talking about Kohler and likely in the in the individuals. Um Ricard's play, they used him for 32 of 50 snaps. Now, one measure of the set and chip blocks is a, is a is a concession to the Browns' pass rush and their ability, you know, what what the Ravens need to do to defend it. But the other concession to it is you have Ricard on the field for 32 of 50 snaps. Now, they only had him on the field 23 snaps last week, and they rushed for 298 yards against the Seahawks. This week, he's on for 32 snaps. And they didn't have anything like the rushing success, but they really needed Ricard as a pass blocker. 
unfortunately, he didn't really have his best game. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, occasionally you'd have the overload and have him essentially get a, like a left tackle. Mm-hmm. And he in space, it's 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 ugly. Um, you know, that's not where you, know, you talk about, his, you know, the, the versatility is amazing. But, you know, when you put him in that kind of role, it, he, he definitely looked limited. And, you know, he's I, I think one of those guys that just there were a few that didn't have their best days. Mm-hmm. And whether you just didn't see things exactly in the right way, didn't read something 100%, or maybe you end up trying to cover for someone that we don't know about and it's kind of left you out of your position a little bit. Uh, he wasn't the physical imposing force that we've always seen. Um, I do think, you know, in the when they did have the touchdown in the red zone, he was helping lead the way for Gus. So, he, you know, that's where you – where he is at his best, coming in motion, uh, you know, and getting across and then just having the, having the back follow him. That's usually a recipe for success. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully he, the, the Ravens really, with their tackle situation, need him to come back this next week and have a big game against Cincinnati. Uh, so that's uh, very important. Well, Pete, fantastic. We'll be back for part two, and we'll talk about the uh, the offensive line. We'll talk about some individual offensive performances, get to a lot of the players we didn't talk about in this half. But tell folks where they can talk football with you online and where they can watch you on TV. Yeah, uh, on the artist formerly known as Twitter, um, at WBALPete. Uh, that's where I'll spend most of my, uh, my social media time. And uh, please join us for Ravens wrap-up Sunday nights, late Sunday night. DVR, if you can't stay up late, we're not on until after the news after Sunday night football, so I completely understand that. Uh, but we get a, a, usually about 35 to 40 minutes where we, uh, Keith Mills and myself, go through, all through the game, just a monster highlight package, a couple of individual areas we break out and go through and also take a look, of course, the rest of the AFC North and try and find your interesting nuggets and stats. And so it's a fun, they're just, there isn't anyone else doing that on Sunday nights uh, for the, for the Ravens. So I would, you know, to that length and, you know, just that much. So give us a, give us a watch there if you like. Yeah, you guys, I, uh, you've told me before, have kind of a free hand in terms of having a longer show, which is ex- incredibly unusual for television, by the way, television, you time it down to the second and you better get it right. But you guys have had some some flexibility there, right? We uh, don't essentially have a specific off time. Our, our framework is a half hour. I can't remember the last time we only did a half hour, and uh, we just have paid programming afterwards. So there, you know, there's no nothing we have to hit at a specific point. So, well, if that's what they tell me, then okay. We'll have some fun with it. It's perfect. That's what we've got on this show. That's it. Just leads to more interesting rabbit holy conversations, which I really enjoy. But uh, and I know you, you and Keith have a have a lot of fun doing that show together. No doubt, no doubt. Other folks out there, if you'd like to to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I get back to you very quickly about your idea. I had some great ones come in in the last week. Really want to develop those in particular. We've got. A half mini buy coming up, and then we have an actual buy coming up. A lot of good opportunities for this kind of content. Uh, please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and uh, give us a review if you feel so inclined. Uh, we've got a very loyal listener base, and always uh, uh, eager to uh, to have you guys give us a review if you don't mind it. Uh, Pete, thanks again for joining me. My pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.